Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. Hope you all are doing well. I apologize for the lack of podcasts in the last couple of weeks. Um, life's been a little bit crazy. Um, the start of 2022 was quite quite wild. Um, but, of course, I'm trying to get back into this. So what we're going to be talking about in this podcast today is obviously all things watches. There's a lot of things that happened within the last couple of weeks um, that... Uh, I wanted to cover um, so hopefully to make it up to you for having sort of a hiatus of all of posting podcasts and videos and articles on our website we're gonna make this a little bit of a longer um, a longer episode where we're gonna talk about a few things that did uh, happen over the last couple of weeks a ton of really awesome watch releases that I want to go over and then an update to the uh, Tiffany blue protect fleet 5711 Um, that obviously happened and and we can sort of go through all of that uh, in this podcast Um, so um, I guess what we can start off with is the Tiffany blue protect fleet 5711 that sold at auction for 6.2 million US dollars there was an update on that that sort of happened it was it basically surfaced that the winner of the watch um, who who settled on the 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 last sort of hammer price of this of the 5711 um ended up not purchasing the watch uh i don't know we don't know the reasons or why that that happened but ended up not purchasing the watch from that that sold at auction if you don't know we've covered this uh on on our website so you can head over to lifeontherist.com if you want to check out more about um the watch that sold but um the, the the final bid was 5.35 million US dollars and it was a New York based bidder unfortunately they didn't end up uh, purchasing the watch so we basically had this this one uh, 5711 um, that was sort of out there and no one really knew what what to make of it um, so um, it was then sort of came up on Instagram that a pretty pretty um, enthusiastic collector decided that uh, ended up being approached to to purchase the watch um for his last bid so the 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 person who now owns that watch that that sold his name is um zach lou and he's a he's got a instagram page where the 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 watch is fairly prominent on it's zach attack underscore 25 and um he is the person who owns the the 5711 that sold at auction for a record price according to um according to the the auction house it, it appeared that the the original bidder couldn't couldn't purchase the watch and so what uh, ended up happening was um what ended up happening was uh the um the auction house ended up approaching the the second highest bidder which was zach lou and offered um him the watch for his final bid which is five million us dollars which is when he he ended up um bowing out of the of the auction apparently within an hour he had responded saying that he agreed to the purchase um which was which was pretty incredible it's, it's quite interesting all the all the information that you, they they have on this apparently he was pretty late to the auction um, didn't even have a paddle. He was making uh, uh, bids uh, verbally. So quite an interesting sort of story for him there. 
What's nice to see though is that because the proceeds of this of of that auction were going to uh, to um, going going to be donated, um, the original sale price of six point five million was honored as the donation, but not really sure where the balance of that money is going to be um, going to come from. It wasn't really um, spoken about either. If you look at Zach Lou's Instagram, he's I think he's absolutely um, absolutely. Uh, in love with uh, with the, with the watch, um, there's a there's actually a video that he posted um, with. Um, there's actually a video of him that he posted on his Instagram with Paul Boutros, head of watches at Philips America, where Paul basically goes in and says, you know, this is the wa the original watch that sold, sort of just to verify that he was the owner of uh, an ori the original watch that sold at auction. Um, so he's got that on his Instagram. He's got a ton of videos with, he's got a ton of pictures of the watch. He's with Alexander Arnott as well, who um, who was pretty instrumental in approaching him for the watch. Apparently, Zach had approached uh, the Stern family to try and uh, get allocated ones, but uh, one of them. But you know, it was up to him to uh, to uh, it was up to Tiffany to sort of decide who would get allocated them. He's also got. Um, He's also got, you know, he's put pictures of him wearing the watch in front of the Tiffany store. Um, he's got this Tiffany um, NBA basketball as well that he's got with the watch. So a ton of ton of passion for this watch. I I think that's that's really the um, the, uh, the 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 crux of this sort of story here. The fact that he is so passionate about Patek Philippe, apparently he's been purchasing Patek Philippe for a very long time. Um, and so it's nice to see that it went to a passionate collector who's really enthusiastic about it. Might be a different approach than some other people um, might have when they when they make these record purchases um, via auction. A lot of the times they try to stay a little bit more private. But hey, if you have a passion for something, you might as well um, might as well own it. So I'll put I'll leave a link uh, in the description, of the show notes of this video, to the article, an article about the the uh, the the update, as well as to Zach's Instagram, if you want to check out some of those pictures. Another thing that sort of broke the internet was a uh, an iteration off of the fifty seven eleven Tiffany blue dial. Um, which uh, is a pretty incredible, pretty incredible watch off of um, off of this 5711. So it was spotted on um, on Frederic Arnott, the son of Bernard Arnott and the CEO of Todd Coyer, who uh, who also owns LVMH. It was spotted. Uh, uh, Tiffany Blue Nautilus 5740 was spotted on the wrist of this individual. So it was a uh, Nautilus Perpetual Calendar 5740 with a Tiffany blue dial. And I mean, to say it broke the internet is, is a pretty, pretty big understatement. Um, the fact that particularly made a perpetual calendar with a Tiffany blue dial is pretty incredible. Even these 5711s, that was a wild thing, but the 5740 in Tiffany blue, um, it's pretty incredible to see it. The, the photo is of him playing chess. Um, I believe with his son um, and uh, him wearing this watch, which is just, just, just insane. Uh, it was on Instagram, on everyone's Instagram feed. I was getting tagged in it multiple times, sent it from friends. Um, 
quite interesting that Patek Philippe's sort of playing around with these colors, which I, I think is, is, a, is a good move from them. Um, but I'll leave a link in the show notes to, to that as well. Moving forward over to maybe some of the new watch releases um, that, uh, that have happened. I'll start off with Grand Seiko. They released uh, an early special editions of the SBGA 427 and the SBGA 429, um, except this one has this really beautiful icy blue um, uh, dial on it. So you're getting spring drive movements and, and, and a really beautiful light blue. What's interesting is it almost is uncannily um, like the, the Tiffany blue um, watch. So spring drive, high beat, move, high beat, watch, high beat references from um, Grand Seiko. The models are the Soko Frost US Special Editions, 40 millimeters, blue dial, stainless steel watch. It, it, it's, it's basically as good as it gets from Grand Seiko, in my opinion. And um, the blue dial is obviously, this, this, this um, icy blue dial is just um, pretty, pretty mesmerizing. I think it's quite interesting to see how Grand Seiko is playing around with, with, with dial colors. I think they're, they're actually in a unique position where they do try and make dials a little bit more attractive for whoever may be interested in them. And for, you know, 6,000, 7,000 US dollars, uh, it's a pretty good price as well. Um, Audemars Piguet has released a couple of really awesome new watches. The first is an AP Royal Oak Flying Turbulent, but it's the first open work Flying Turbulent uh, that they've released. Really beautiful um, look at the movement and how all of that sort of integrates into telling time for this piece. It's very, very open work. Uh, you can see every little detail that goes into this movement. Turbulent, obviously front and center at that six o'clock position. Automatic movement. Um, it's tied to the Royal Oaks uh, 50th anniversary, um, which is pretty a pretty pretty nice way of sort of sort of um, s stamping the 50th anniversary for for this piece. Um, the um, it's really got a slate grail aesthetic um, to it, which in a way kind of makes it understated. But the problem is when you start looking at it. Um, <laughs> When you start to uh, look at it, it's 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 kind of the the depth of the dial is really sort of mesmerizing, which I think is nice. Um, going forward, Tag Heuer released a um, 60th anniversary piece for their Altavia, which is um, a flyback uh, a flyback chronograph. Um, they came. Uh, there's uh, a couple of variations of this piece. Um, that they've that they've released. Um, they've got a um, flyback chronograph, and then they've also got a GMT that they've released uh, to celebrate the the anniversary of this Altavia. What's really interesting about the fact that they have these is um, the top. When you think of a model, a lot of the times you think, okay, I know that the Daytona is going to be a chronograph. I know that the Submariner is going to be a dive watch. I know that the GMT the G a GMT master is going to be a um, going to be a, a GMT. Uh, whereas so the, you know they've released the Altavia GMT, and then they also have an Altavia chrono chrono uh, flyback chronograph, which I think is interesting, just with the makeup of how Tagar does their lines. Um, but really cool looking pieces. I really love the the um, the white and black 
coloring that they've used on the, the chronograph. I'm a big chronograph uh, person. The pushers are also really cool. They're, they're screw down, which makes it obviously water resistant. They've simplified the dial really nicely. Um, and that's, I think that's really cool. It does look a little bit different than some of the pieces that they released last year, which I think is something that um, a lot of the times you try and get consistency with your lines because you'll find a consistent um, aesthetic that people really like. Um, but hey, it, it is, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a move from them that I think is a nice way to celebrate the Otavia, which is a historic piece within their lines. The GMT is also really nice. It's got a black and blue sort of motif to it, date at six o'clock. Orange um, GMT hand and Otavia is written in, in orange as well. Um, I almost find their watches have been simplified and sort of they cut out all the fluff, went back to the basics, which I think is really nice to, to see. Um, the, the movements that are used, the Hoyer 02 cost certified flyback chronograph uh, movement is used in that one. They also did a cost certification for their GMT uh, caliber seven, which is based off of the Salida SW300. Um, these watches are fairly fairly affordable. The panda dial or the black and white panda dial of the flyback chronograph is about 6,000 US dollars. The black DLC version of the chronograph is 7,000 and the GMT is about 4,000. So fairly affordable and again marks a pretty historic place for for um, for Tycar, which I think is uh, with the, I think is nice. Alright the last piece I wanted to go through is uh, is a watch from Zenith. Uh, this is a pretty. This is. I, I thought this was the coolest watch, especially sort of my um, my like vintage brain here, um, and that is uh, a piece that they came out with that was all over Instagram again, um, and that is the. Um, let me just make sure I get the reference number right here. Um, it's the uh, Zenith Chrono Chronomaster. Revival Lupin the Third Final Edition. It's the reference 95.l.384.400, which is a mouthful. But it is essentially a 37 millimeter titanium case Zenith El Primero that has the caliber 400 automatic movement running inside of it. What makes it super awesome is the fact that the watch has two dial colors. It has half of it in black and half of it in white. Um, this is part of the revival of the A384 um, El Primero that they did, which is a vintage piece that they, that they came out with. This is sort of a revival of that. Um, and what's kind of, I know that Lupin the Third is interesting. It's actually a manga t uh, turned character show. Um, and, uh, and so this, this, um, this character was part of this manga series which is now a cartoon and um, essentially what they did was they tried to bring in sort of a faux a faux-ish looking patina look to this dial and so you've got a diagonal line that runs from about one o'clock down to five o'clock and the left side of that diagonal line is black is a black dial right side is white um they got Sort of an aged hour marker look to it. The subdials are also different colors. So on the white half, you've got panda, a panda subdial look with a date. 
um, over at between um, four and five o'clock. And then if you look at the black side, you've got obviously faux patinaed hour markers with this um, kind of faux patinaed um, logo inscription. So Zenith chrono uh, Chronograph Automatic El Primero is all in sort of like a, a dark yellowish looking color. And then the seconds, uh, the seconds sub subdial is this sort of like bluish looking, like like gr slate gray bluey looking color. Um, this was all over the internet. I think it's such a revolutionary way of doing a dial. You, I, to be honest, I don't know another watch that has something like that um, so that I can think off at the top of my head. It's about ten thousand U.S. dollars, which is a fairly substantial price, but you're getting a a really cool piece. Um, and this is, I think this is what, exactly what I talk about. This is like innovative. This is something that you're not going to see on other people's wrists a lot. You're taking something from your history, having some sort of modern spin to it. I think it's awesome. So I'll put a link in the show notes to all the pieces that we've talked about over the last, um, uh, during this podcast, you can check, check all of that out. Um, but I hope this, uh, this sort of quenched your thirst for life from the rest podcast content. I'm going to try and do this again weekly. Hopefully we'll continue to do that. So look out for the for the podcasts that will become be coming soon. We'll also start uploading videos to our YouTube channel again, as well as writing articles for our website. We've got a couple pieces that will be hitting the store soon. We've got a I'll give you guys the inside scoop. We've got a Universal Genève um, chronograph, vintage chronograph that that will be on the store. I think it's actually currently on the store, and then we also have a. The Coultre, um Master Mariner uh, 1200 that will be hitting the store as well. So stay tuned for that. If you follow us on Instagram, you probably will see that. If you guys like this content, be sure to follow this podcast. Um, if you um, want to be notified uh, when we upload, we upload once a week. Uh, so every Tuesday, you'll get a podcast from us. Be sure to check out our social media pages if you want more content from us. And check out our website where we have all of our articles and youtube videos be sure to subscribe to us on youtube as well if you're feeling generous and wouldn't mind leaving us a review that would be wonderful and with that said guys thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time